Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On April 19, 1775, a battle began that would change the world. In this battle, 13 colonies of Great Britain, frustrated over Britain's increasing taxation without representation, they took a stand. This battle would wage on for eight long years, but in the end, a new country, the United States of America, would rise from the ashes. Less than a year into this long battle, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia wrote a resolution of independence, declaring the United States independent from Great Britain. On July 2nd, the Congress of the Colonies voted in favor of this resolution. John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail, the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forevermore. He was two days off. America has never celebrated Congress's vote on July 2nd, but rather it has celebrated the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. 1776. This day continues to be celebrated by Americans 243 years later. It's interesting to note that this Declaration of Independence was signed seven years before the freedom that they declared was actually realized. Even after the colonies declared their independence, the battle waged on. I'm sure that during this time, some of the people wondered if the battle would ever end. And I'm sure that some of them had doubts that the United States that was declared would ever come to full realization. But the fact that we continue to celebrate the 4th of July to this day shows that the Declaration of Independence was not made in vain. Now, I'm thankful that God has chose to put me in this country. He says that in the Bible that he puts us in the places and times that he wills, uh, that we would know him. And I'm thankful for the United States of America. But there is a freedom that I am even more thankful for. There is a, there is a freedom that is available to men, women, and children from all nations not just ours. It is not a freedom from taxation without representation, but rather it is a freedom from the things that have oppressed the human population since our fall into sin. The freedom that I am speaking of is a freedom from sin, death, and the powers of the devil. This freedom, it comes not 
from a declaration of independence, but rather a call to dependence on the one who sets us free. Jesus is the one who made a declaration of freedom available to all who would believe in him. When he spoke the words, it is finished, with his dying breath on the cross. His death is a declaration of our righteousness, a declaration of our freedom from sin. It is a declaration of life everlasting. And this declaration was made ours. It was made ours when he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus' declaration from the cross, it began with a will, his will, that was set on freeing us from our sins. In our Gospel of Luke today, it says, when the day drew near for him to be taken up, that's speaking of his cross, it says he set his face towards Jerusalem. His face was set for battle. It was the battle that he would wage on the cross that only he could bear. It was a battle that only he could wage and it was a battle that only he could win. He alone is God in our flesh and he alone can bear the sin that all sinners have, have gained. For he was the only one who bore our flesh and blood that stood without sin. He alone could do what was necessary to set us free. You see, the prince of darkness, that is the devil himself, has ruled over this world ever since Adam partook of that forbidden fruit. For in this act, man forsook God's provisions and listened to the devil. Since that time, every single person, including you and I, has experienced the effects of sin and death. Every person has been affected by what St. Paul calls the works of our flesh, which are sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Every one of us has experienced and every one of us has taken part in at least some of these things. It's very common for us to be jealous of other people. It's very common for us, especially when driving, to have fits of anger. We just drove from Montana <laughs> to here. Fits of anger are very commonplace. <laughs> but all of these things, when they go unconfessed, they lead us away from faith in God, and they lead us away from love for our neighbor. And they turn us in on ourselves. 
which leads to isolation. And ultimately, if it goes unconfessed, it leads to eternal death. All these works of the flesh are a result of the yoke of slavery that everyone is under until a declaration that comes from the one who set us free. Now, unlike the founding fathers of the United States of America, we cannot set ourselves free. Left on our own, the battle against sin, death, and the devil is a battle that we cannot win. We cannot lift the yoke of slavery off of ourselves. It must be washed away by the blood of the one who has fought for us. Jesus is the one who fights. He is the one who dies for all. And having risen from the dead, he is the one who washes our wounds. And he is the one who declares. He declares our freedom. He makes slaves like us into children of the Most High God. He sets us who were bound for death. He sets us free to eternal life. For freedom, Paul writes, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul continues, I say, walk by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is this, love, which shows itself in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I would say it's not wrong to say they continue. They daily crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. I don't know about you, but, well, I do know about you. <laughs> there are times when you slip back into those things that were mentioned. You have thoughts you shouldn't have. You burst out in anger in ways that you shouldn't burst out. You desire to have the, your neighbor's stuff, and you don't want them to have it. Jesus has set us free, and he daily sets us free to trust God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he calls us to this freedom by his word. I'm going to switch gears. I don't want to lose you. It's interesting to note the situation in our gospel lesson. There were three people, after the first initial paragraph, there were three people that had interactions with Jesus. Two of those people came up to Jesus and said, I will follow you. The first one said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responded to the first person who said this saying with these words. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. 
peculiar response. When I read this, it seems as though Jesus was questioning the person's abilities to follow him. He was questioning and almost discouraging the person's resolve. The other man who said, I follow you, added these words. But let me first say farewell to those in my home. Jesus said to this man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're trying to get followers, this is not a good technique. (laughs) But again, Jesus seems to be discouraging the person. Discouraging the person from following him. He makes it seem as though this person is not able to follow him. Jesus has one other interaction in this series of interactions. And this, first, this last person, or actually it was the middle person, this person said nothing to Jesus in way of initiating the conversation. But rather, Jesus initiated this conversation. And Jesus said to this man, follow me. This man said, Lord, uh, this man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This person did not seem to immediately want to follow Jesus. But Jesus compelled him. Jesus took away his excuses and said that he would follow. Now you're probably thinking, okay, you said don't get lost, pastor, but I'm lost. (laughs) I was following you up to a point, but then you switched gears, and I'm not sure at all what you're getting at anymore. The point that I'm making here is this. The work of God depends on the word of Christ. The gospel drives home the point that freedom was not earned by human passion, initiative, or drive. I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord. I can't even come to him. I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He has enlightened me with his gifts. He has sanctified and he has kept me in the true faith. It is his doing. As we near the 243rd celebration of the United States of America's Declaration of Independence, we're going to be thinking of men and women who held their ground against impossible odds. They went against the largest army in the world. We may think of what we as the human race can do if we just set our minds towards something. We may be inspired by any number of stories surrounding July 4, inspired to believe that we too can be great if we just commit to greatness. 
And according to earthly things, that may be somewhat true. But earthly things, including the United States of America, including all countries, will not last. It will fall. When the trumpet sounds and the Lord Jesus appears, the United States of America and all human empires will fall at the feet of the one through whom all things were made. So perhaps a better thing to focus on is just how dependent we are on the one who paid the ultimate price to set us free. The one who gives us true freedom, freedom that the world cannot give. The one who creates another nation, a holy nation, from men, women, and children from all nations under heaven. The one who calls, gathers, enlightens, and keeps the whole Christian church all around the world under his care. For true freedom, Jesus and he alone has set us free. So no matter where in the world we find ourselves, we cling to the one who is over all. And we do so not by committing ourselves to obeying him. Jesus, I'm going to do it right this time. Lord, I'm committing myself to you again. I'm going to do it. But rather, we stay with him by first listening to his word and hearing his call. He says to you, follow me. And when you make your excuses, I, I heard an echo. <laughs> And when he, when he says to you, follow me. And when you make your excuses, and when you confess your sins, and when you confess your unworthiness to follow him, he says to you, I forgive you all your sins. I give you all the provisions you need in my word, in my flesh, in my blood. I am all you need, and I am for you. I have accomplished it all. And Jesus said, abide in my love. That is, stay in the word that first called you to freedom. And like the independence that was declared in 1776, like it was real as how it was realized seven years later. The freedom from sin, death, and the devil that Jesus declared for you at your baptism, it will be fully realized. That declaration of freedom, it will be realized on that day when we all see the Son of Man appearing in the clouds, when he returns for you his church. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guide your hearts, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.